0: Psalms chapter 95. Now, uh, last night we had, had, uh, had fun handing out candy to kids, the, uh, the five children of Whitehall that showed up in the snow, to, uh, <laughs> it was great, guys. You know, isn't it amazing how, uh, how priorities in life change, and uh, we were at the parade, and I said, man, my wife says, is anybody going to show up for this parade? And I said, no, they'll be. It's a parade, it's snowing, it's sleeting, no they'll be there, and sure enough, they were there, and uh, people were outside their houses picking up candy in the wet weather, and uh, it amazing when something's important, uh, we show up for it and make it happen, and uh, we thank God for the opportunity we got to try to be a little bit of a witness and a light to those people uh, last night. And today, uh, as we go into the Word, I want to ask you a question from last week. You see, there were so many of you in God's house, and pretty much all of you were here last week. Can anybody help me out? As last week we studied the greatest among us, and we looked at who's the greatest among us. Can anybody help me from last week? I just want to make sure you've got it, all right? So I don't have to reprint the sermon. Can anybody help me from last week? Who's the greatest among us? Children, the humble child. I remember, we saw that last week. Now there was, there was three types of children we saw last week, and you guys got to help me with this, okay? There was a humble child, but there were two other types of children. What were they? Um, did you get it, Richard? Jacob? Did you say spies? No, no. Okay, okay. Uh, and what's the other one? The despised child. What's the other one? Offended. Thank you. Very good. And so the offended child and the despised child. looked at that last week. And Jesus says in Matthew 18, and by the way, that passage deals with a whole lot more. Jesus says the greatest among us is the child. When we think of Christmas season, Jesus Christ came and humbled himself. This, by the way, flows with our text this morning. Jesus Christ came and humbled himself as a little child, was born of the Virgin Mary. And he came humbling himself. And in Matthew 18, Jesus challenges us and tells us don't offend the children and don't despise the children. Don't despise them. Next week we're going to get to give the children presents. What a beautiful thing that is, to give gifts to others. It is more pleasant to give than to receive. And he says there was a despised child. Matthew 18 is also known for some other things in that passage. He talks about uh, dealing with church discipline in that passage. But he talks about that in the context of humbling ourselves as a little child. By the way, if all of us as adults would just walk in humility, we would never have to practice church discipline. Because the people of God would walk in humility with the Spirit of God. It's a beautiful thing, and the text really is a beautiful text. This week, as we go into Psalms 95, we're going to see how this coordinates with Christmas Look right here if you would. Psalms 95 verse 1. Join me there in your Bible. The Bible says, "Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a, what kind of noise? Joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Make a, what does He say? Joyful noise unto Him with psalms. For the Lord is a, what? Great. Great God. And a great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us, what does he say? Worship, Worship and bow down. Let us, what does he say next word? Kneel. I want everybody to say that word together. Neil. Kneel. Kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Let's read that last phrase of that verse. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, together. Let's read it together. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. The psalmist is describing worship. He goes on and says, For He is our God, and we are His, the people of His passion. Today, and the sheep of his, his hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your heart as in the provocations, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is the people that bear in their hearts. They have not known my ways, unto whom I swear my wrath, that they should not enter into my rest. The psalmist is calling us to worship. The psalms were used in leading people to worship. And this morning, I want to focus our attention on biblical worship. Let us worship the Lord. Can anybody who's a child maybe raise your hand and tell me what position is this person in on the screen? Any children? Can you raise your hand and tell me? Are they standing? What are they doing? Can anybody help me? What are they doing? I think mean, are they kneeling? Yes. Okay, great. And so they're kneeling down. Let us worship the Lord. the psalmist describes a position of worship. A position of worship. The Psalms were written to be read and leading in worship. They are God focused, glorifying Him and extolling and praising Him for His greatness and wonderful love. And the Psalm before us is so rich in truth, truth that's relevant to help us today. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Parents, what would happen in our homes? if our children saw us kneeling before God? What if when they wake up in the morning, not as a show, but just by accident, they find us on our knees before God? Do you think that might help them? It might change the way they view God if they view us seeking God. What will help you as a parent is when your child humbles themselves and prays and says, let's pray. When your child spontaneously wants to have their own little church service um, because they just enjoy the thought of going to church. I think that's a beautiful thing when children automatically, and I'll tell you, my house they already started it. And uh, Lucy's the preacher. Sometimes Gwenny's the preacher. And they tell each other who's the preacher. And I tell you, they tell them, you need to stand up. You need to sit. You need to you know pray right now. And they got it all down. Oh, this is the time. You need to go I mean, they, Okay, now, I didn't teach them that. They, I mean, they just kind of in worship. But what if I taught them something in my life? What if in your life, what if they see something that's not worship on a continual basis, on a daily basis? What if they see that what if they come wake me up every morning in my bed? And let's say all of my Christian life, as a Christian, I love the Lord, walk with the Lord, and let's say every morning my children come and wake me up in bed, and that's where they find me every day. Uh, And then they find me kind of hustling and bustling through the day, trying to catch up on everything. Um, How are they going to view God when then it's like, oh, kids, let's go to church. If they they see us worshiping all week long, it'll change the attitude they have for Sunday. Um, it'll change their attitude. Let us worship the Lord. The psalmist says come, let us worship. He says let us bow down. The picture is as us falling before the king. When you see the wise men in the Christmas decorations often they are kneeling. I think we have a kneeling wise men. Now yes, I understand. Biblically, they came when the child was two years old. He have. Okay, but at Christmas we remember the whole scene. All right, and you see these wise men right here. You see that one kneeling down. He is bowed down before the Lord. He is bowing down before Jesus Christ. It is very important that there be an outward manifestation of an inward decision. Now the psalmist calls us to three things. I see in this text, and the first is the invitation. The invitation. This morning, for you're taking notes, I'm not putting the points on the screen. I'm just going to give them to you. The invitation. The invitation. Oh, come. In verse 1, he says, oh, come. In verse 6, he says, oh, come. Isn't it a beautiful thing when somebody says, come? Come. Hey,
1: would you come over?
0: Would you come? Isn't it great when you go to somebody's house and they say, come on in, right? Even though they're not ready for you. Come on in, Okay. Excuse my mess. Uh, oh, come. See, well, why? when we stay comfortable, when we feel comfortable, uh, why should we stay there when he's calling us to come and worship? The invitation. Oh, come. Weddings are a beautiful time. The joy of an invitation is great, but my friend, a response is required. A response is required. When my wife and I sent out the invitations, we sent out hundreds of them. But many of those people did not reply. No no response came back. we said, well, even some of the people that, um, you know, my wife and I like to tease each other about who was our friends, okay? And who was our most loyal friends. And uh, she had this one couple, and she said, they're going to come to our wedding. I know they will. And you know what? I was kind of disappointed. I thought they were our most friends, Okay. And they didn't show up, and uh, they didn't reply. They said, not coming. I'm like, oh, wow. And and, and she was like, I'm sure they're going to come. I remember when we were in California, they had said, you guys get married. We will be there. And uh, the uh, the invitation was declined. Sometimes with the Lord, we do that. We decline the invitation. Oh, come. Oh, come. Come involves us moving, moving from where we are to where he is. Too much worship is us simply performing rituals on our own terms. Too much of our worship of God is just we're performing rituals on our own terms before God. Think about it. Going through the same motions. Now in a church service, and I try to switch things up a little bit here. I don't want you to know what's coming next all the time. Because it'll become a routine if we do it too much. Okay? Okay. Um, when we pray, when we seek the Lord, when we come in here together, I, I like us to switch things up a little bit. Today I had some more songs planned. I skipped those, so right? I don't want it to always be the same. Another song after announcement. So we can switch things up a little bit. When we worship the Lord, it doesn't have to always be rote, routine. By the way, that's why I personally uh, don't like to have all my song lyrics on the screen. Lest the Lord lead me to not do one, I would have to skip through it, okay? And so, I like to try to follow the Spirit of the Lord and uh, let Him guide, let Him lead in the time of worship. True worship involves the presence of God. I could say that I enjoy my wife's company... And I could say I enjoy going out to eat with her, but if you find me at the restaurant alone, you would not say that I was tripped, right? And so uh, I could say I enjoy her company, but if I am there and I am there alone, you would say, I thought you enjoyed her company. In the same way with the Lord, He wants to be there with us. He wants to be there with us. He wants to be there in our presence. Maybe you enjoy inviting your child or grandchild out for a meal on their birthday. Imagine if you invited your child or grandchild out on, your, on their birthday, but they decided to not show, so instead you went to birthday dinner for them without them. That's the way we worship God many times. He's there waiting for us. We missed the invitation. We said, yeah, there, I'm in there in spirit. By the way, COVID did a lot of that for us, didn't it? Um, the social distancing at some point breaks down society. And the people need a warm embrace every once in a while. Uh, suicide has been on the rise because of these types of things. People need every once in a while a little bit of love, a smile. They need to see that we care about them. They need our bodily presence. And my friend, Skype phone calls are great with my family, extended family in Georgia. But you know what? At some point, it's a physical disconnect, okay? And uh, the presence, the presence is important. And in the presence of the Lord, he's saying, come. He's saying, come. He says, don't just call in on Skype. He says, I want you in my presence. Uh, we have found nationwide, worldwide there has been a massive decline in church attendance, worldwide. Massive decline because of all this stuff. Because people were just watching church on the screen, by the way, thank you each of you watching by the way of livestream. But at some point, we get disconnected. Something else pops up on the phone. Something else comes in to distract. We are tempted to say, well, we'll wait till after the service, and we'll skip through and just listen to the things that we want to listen to, okay? And we miss the whole experience of worshiping God, we missed some things that God might have wanted to say to us. Could it be He's standing outside the door asking us to come in His presence? Oh, come. In our great busyness to get ready for church today, could it be we have missed His invitation? See, when you woke up, He was standing there saying, come. When you walked past the Bible, He was standing there saying, come. Please don't take offense to this, dear friend. We are all tempted to walk past the Bible in the morning, okay? And uh, all of God's people said, Amen. Okay? We're all tempted to. He was there, standing there, saying, I want to meet with you. He will be there, dear family, dear friend, uh, dear single person, whoever. you. He will be there waiting to meet with you when you want to read this devotional book or the other. He will be there, yes, and you say, what should I do? Lord, speak to me today. Lord, speak to me today. I want to hear your voice. The invitation to come. He is there when we come. To church, my friend, he is there. When we entered this building and sat in our seat, he was saying, come. But well, let's be honest. Sometimes we come to church, but we didn't come to church. Okay? We came physically, man, but the body somewhere else. The spirits somewhere else were checked out. The invitation to come. Great book that I read recently, helping us with our young people. And by the way, some of the thoughts that I shared with you. In that pamphlet, some of them came from that book. They came from many other things as well. Um, but in that book, it says, Already Gone. talks about how the young people in this room, many of you will be tempted to already leave church before you leave church. And by the way, the ha- same thing happens for adults. You can check out before you check out, okay? And, and by, but when we walk in the Spirit of God, we, we come into the presence of God, we encounter Jesus Christ, and we get our questions answered through the Word of God, and we get help. Young people, if you have questions about the Bible, if you have questions about Jesus Christ, come and ask. If you have questions, come and ask, And and we want to give you the answers that your heart is searching for. Worship God at home. It will transform our worship here at church. Pray in the spirit with our families at home. It will transform the church. I encourage you, even if you don't have a family at home anymore, I encourage you to pray out loud, aloud to God in your home. Pray aloud to the God that hears. I encourage you, find a place on your knees in your home to meet with God. Jesus describes the prayer closet, the invitation to come. Secondly this morning, the posture of worship. The Bible describes all the things that he has made. It says the sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Now, when you think of all the technology today, it's overwhelming to to think about all the things that we have available to us today. And we often are amazed by science. We see something happen and we're like, wow, that is so cool. All right, spaceship goes up. People are like, awesome. Maybe you like sports. Okay, and everything happens on the sports team the way you want. I'm not a sports person, sorry. But uh, everything happens the way you want, and you're just so excited about it. You say, that was an awesome play, you talk about it with your friends that like that same team. And it's like, you know what, it was just somebody with muscle memory, acting, moving, okay? Okay, that's all it was, all right? Muscle memory, they did it at the right time, in the right place, and they got credit for it. And so, uh, my friends... God's the one that made that body, that created that muscle, that could do that memory, amen. And He says, Come, let's bow down and worship the Lord. Too often we're like, Well, wasn't that so cool? Michael Brady did that, okay? And all these people, and all these names, and I don't know if that's about the only one I heard right now. And you got all these people, and you're like, They did that cool move. They played that. He batted the ball correctly. And uh, they kicked the soccer ball, by the way. Soccer. Sorry, this is a joke. This is a this is a joke that you know, I'm not like but soccer is a sport for those who can't play any other sports. That's what they say, okay? Um, and, <laughs> and and look, there are some people in the in, in the world that play it well, but in general, uh, as Americans, we don't play it very well. In college, we used to play uh, soccer. Uh, I didn't much, but the kids did. Uh, the teams that were good at it. And seeing us Caucasians run around the field playing playing soccer, we were horrible at it. Absolutely horrible. I mean, the guy was kicking it like he was kicking a football, and go right off the edge. And it was just—it was clear that we were not. It was not our sport. It was not our thing. And uh, the posture of worship is, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Let us bow down before who? Verse six. come, come. He says worship, bow down, kneel before. He says the Lord. Our maker because what? He is our God. And he says we are the people of his pasture. You say, does that mean everybody knows Christ? No. He's the one who created us. He's the one who wants to fellowship with us. And he says it's time to bow down. It's time, just as you see in the picture, to kneel before the Lord. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time in a church service that you kneeled before God? You say, Pastor, that would be so awkward. To kneel in the service... During the invitation, that would be so unlike me to do that. Oh, come, let us worship. Let us bow down. Let us, what does he say?
1: Say the word together?
0: Yeah. That's what he said. Now look, I understand we have joint pain, we have issues. And sometimes, because of temporary physical illness, I said temporary physical illness, we cannot do a certain thing. But my friend, the posture of a Christian, we can pray standing, we can pray kneeling. We can pray completely flat before the Lord. Yes, we can pray sitting, my friend. You say, Pastor, we live in the age of grace. All right. What do the Catholics do when they come in their worship service? They kneel down, okay? They have kneeling benches. That might be one thing they've got right is that they made it very easy for people to bow down before God, okay? It's understood when you go to Mass... That you're supposed to kneel down at the time of kneeling. Now, I understand it is a ritual. But, my friend, the act of kneeling is biblical. And we don't do it much. It's biblical, okay? It's biblical. We're not going to get kneeling, just don't worry, okay? We're not going to go Catholic, okay? They pray to Mary, we pray to Jesus Christ, who's the Savior of the world. Mary doesn't forgive sins. Jesus alone does. But my friends, could it be that we might be wise enough to notice that some other people sometimes have the posture right and we might have got it all wrong for a long time? We might come worship God, but not come the way that he asked us to come. We might come worship God on our own terms, go through the religious motions, but not find God. We expect to encounter God without kneeling before him. When you read through your Bible, and I pray you will this year, I challenge you to look all through the Bible at different people that kneel before God. Take note of this. How many times they're kneeling before God? How many times Moses was on his face before the Lord God Almighty? On his face. You say, Pastor, what does that mean in plain English? On his face. Okay? It means he was laying down. He was before the Lord. That's a beautiful way. And I will tell you, if you meet before God that way on your own, If you do it at 5 in the morning, 6 in the morning, you will be tempted to fall asleep, okay? You'll be tempted to fall asleep. I've done it many a time. You will be tempted to fall asleep, meeting with the Lord, on your knees, on your face. All right, let's let's look at Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. Let's see Moses and what he did. Leading the people of God. It is so great to have each of you in the house of God. So great to have each of you children in the house of God today. Children, I ask you to give me your attention right now and try to listen as much as you can. Even my little daughter's picking things up in the messages, and you can too. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 5. It says, Then Moses and Aaron... Now what does the next word say? Fell. Sorry, I went there fast. You guys weren't there yet. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. Before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel... You say, what did they do? They fell on their faces. Does that mean they got a face plant? No. Okay, doesn't it mean that they fell and, and hit their face on the ground? It's talking about quick action, a quick movement. You think about when you fall down, it happens quick. He's saying, you know what? We shouldn't be standing before God. Um, Lord, today is a good day to worship you, but I'm not sure if I... I want to kneel, or... Let me think about it, Lord. Let me pray if I should kneel today. That's the way we are. Okay, right? We're going to think about what position. Lord, I I, I, I just don't feel like we think about everything, overthink everything. Moses and Aaron fell down. They fell down quickly. The Bible says in verse 6, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which brought them that search the land, rent their clothes. These people, they took their clothing and they ripped it apart. You say, why did they do that? This would have been their outer garment. They would have ripped that because it was symbolizing they were broken before God because all the other congregation had done something. The posture of worship. Notice these men encountered God. But I'm going to show you there was a bunch of other people that wound up not encountering God. Look back in verse 1. And all the congregation... Lifted up their voice, it says, and cried. And the people wept that night. But wait till you hear what they were sulking about. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would to God we had died in the land of Egypt, and would to God we had died in the wilderness. My friend, in this Christmas season, we're going to either bow before the nature. Christ, we're going to either incline our body before the risen Savior, or we're going to continue living things the same way we always have. Christmas is the time to refocus on Jesus Christ. Christmas is the time for us to focus back on who He is. But the children of Israel, they had seen the very blessings that God Almighty was going to give them. These spies have gone in and seen all the beauty and all the plenty. Can you imagine somebody coming back with all the best food you've ever seen in your entire life? And the food is literally placed there before you. And ten of them start saying, But the giants were too big, the cities were too tall, and we can't conquer. And next thing you know, these first two verses, they're sitting there complaining. And not just complaining to God, they're complaining about the leader God gave them who's going to deliver them. But notice their leader's response. And by the way, every time the people of God murmur and complain, and the men of God get right with God and seek God and do what the people of God should have done, okay, the people of God should never murmur. And all God's people said, the people of God should never murmur and complain. Murmuring sins, unbelief. But the leader, he got on his knees. And by the way, every time the leader gets on their knees and prays to the God and hears, God will show up in the back the house. Don't mess with God. The posture of worship. The posture of worship. They inclined their face before the Lord. What would happen if each of us, instead of complaining about the fact that our loved ones don't want Jesus, what if we got on our knees? Not just saying to her at the table. Not just going through our ritual routine. We actually got on our knees and said, dear God, forgive me. And started confessing something you say, but Pastor, it is this Christmas season. I want a joyful message right now. This will give you a lot of joy, okay? We be may endure for a night, joy comes in the morning. What if we took then just took some time and said, you know what? Lord, just find one little thing. There was one thing I said to my child that was not pleasing to you. Come on. One. One little tiny thing you say was just a small thing. God, it's covered with blood. Why don't we go ahead and just ask God for forgive? Lord hands? Why don't we just humble ourselves before the Lord? The posture of worship. Power with God comes from the presence of the Almighty. Look, not everybody in this passage was kneeling. The congregation, they were standing, they were complaining, they were backbiting. But yet there was some people of God, Moses and Aaron, who fell down on their faces before the people of God and got on their knees and said, You know what? Lord's the God. He's going to deliver us. He's promised He's going to keep his promise. And they started claiming the promises of God. By the way, when the people of God start claiming the promises of God, God starts doing things. The posture of worship. Let us worship and bow down. Let us, he says, kneel before the Lord our Maker. Let me ask you a personal question. Once again, when was the last time you kneeled in a worship service? You say, Pastor, that's so awkward to kneel. It would be so, what if we just try to you say that it's just, it's just a physical... Uh, if we, God hears me sitting. Of course he does. But humbling ourselves... Humbling ourselves is essential to worship. Remember last week? Humbling ourselves. So we humble ourselves as a little child. What if we humbled ourselves and admitted we're nothing, he's everything? Could it be, according to our text... Uh, that it should be natural, normal, and expected that the people of God kneel before God. I mean, this psalm was created for worship. And the psalmist says, come worship. He says, but we've got to kneel down. He says, we've got to bow before the Lord. We've got to recognize who he is. Look, we don't have to be weird about it. We don't have to be like cults, okay? My friend, uh, the people of God got on their knees before God and it ought to be normal for us. We, we are content to sit, we're content to stand, we're happy to walk and talk in the house of God. But what, how is it we're uncomfortable to meet? I mean, it's God's house. He says it's supposed to be the house of prayer for all people. So, this is the place where we encounter Jesus. This is the place where you say I can meet with him The home. Of course. But what kind of things would transpire in our communities if we met with God and we humbled ourselves? On our knees before God in the house of God, and it was a regular thing. Am I saying we have to do it every week? No. I'm saying it ought to be a regular thing. We got to get on our knees regularly before God. We got to get on our knees and say, "Lord, I'm nothing. You're everything. Lord, I'm not worthy of the least of Thy mercies. But Lord, would You forgive? Would You cleanse? Lord, would You help me? Could it be today that God's looking for a group of believers that kneel before their Maker? What's what if this is what if this could be the thing? that's hindering the presence of God in our lives. That what are you saying? It's the age of grace. God accepts every possession. Anything goes. Man. Read the Bible. Anything doesn't always go. Okay? Um, but you look through the Word of God. Could it not be that maybe He wants us to try something a little different once in a while? Could it not be that God says, you know what? When you read the Word of God, He says being changed into His image. When we read the Word of God, as Corinthians challenges us to be changed... It ought to change the way we do something. I mean, we ought to come to church and keep doing the same thing the same way and expect different results, okay? Uh, God has continued to add people to the house of God, and a church that is growing will be a church that is in transition. You're going to have to continually uh, adjust and fluctuate a little bit on things so that you can accommodate and help and work together. That's part of growing. That's part of growing. It's all about life. It's all about change, is it not? Remember the time when you were not on any medication? Remember the time where you didn't need blood thinner, you didn't need any of that stuff? And then one day you went to the doctor and you started needing medication, and you started needing more medication, and you started needing more. My friend, we all go through changes in our physical body and the doctor says we need this, we take it, because the doctor says if you don't take it, we will die. But what if God wants us to take something and what if we don't take it? What if it hinders our spiritual walk with God? What if it does? Could it be then this Christmas season... The Lord wants to meet with us, but He wants us to change our posture every once in a while, and before His presence to actually kneel, before His presence to actually bow down, to bow down. Come on, let's put the excuses. The text is very clear. Let us bow down. Let us kneel. And you know, the posture of worship affects more than we think, because it's an inward, an outward sign of an inward heart. The posture of worship. And lastly, this morning He says, "There's a hindrance in the text. There's a hindrance." He says, "Harden not your heart." Verse eight. He says, "Come." The invitation is to come. He says, "There's a posture. We got to kneel. Come and kneel." But then he says, "There's something that can stop you. Don't let it stop you." Verse eight. Harden not your heart. You say, "Pastor, I'm under grace. I'm saved. In my blood. My faith in Jesus Christ." You, you might say, "You know what? I can't lose my salvation." But you can harden your heart. But you can harden your heart. He says, harden not your heart. As in the day of provocation, a day when they continually provoked the Lord. and As in the day of temptation in the wilderness, he says, when your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my work. How long did they tempt God? They tempted God for 40 years. How long did they wander in circles? For 40 years. Could it be, Calvary Baptist Church, that God wants us to step out of wandering and start experiencing the very presence of the Almighty in this 40th year, 2022. As this church enters its 40th year, having been on this corner, could it be that God is saying to us as a church, it's time to quit wandering? It's time to stop the hardening of the hearts because you're going to be tempted to do it as they did. Look, don't don't take it as a personal person. They were tempted... To harden their hearts. We will be tempted to harden our hearts, and if we're not careful, we might say, Well, I'm not tempted. No, we're all tempted. Harden not your heart, he says. See, Christmas is a beautiful time of the year. It's a time where the hardness or softness appears, right? You're around, people you say, Well, I'll vote for Merry Christmas. Okay? I mean, sometimes you know the Scrooge's come out around Christmas time, or the joyful people. You see one or the other. We're tempted to respond either way, right? And don't let the busyness of Christmas kill at your home. Uh, you don't have to have a perfect gift for your children. could be the gift of time. could be the greatest gift you give them this year. The hindrance. A brief reading of the Old Testament will show you that the Israelites spent more years wandering in circles and fighting the same battles than they did living in victory. I mean, these children of Israel, they just wandered and wandered and wandered. Then they went in the promised land, and God said, I'll give you victory over the Philistines. I'll give you victory over all your enemies. Go in and fight. The battle's yours. I'm going to win. What did they do? First few battles, here we go. Oh, let's make a league with the people God said not to. And then they got slaves in their side for the whole rest of the time they were in, the, in in the. Unbelief hindered them. Harden not your heart. Dear friend, come to God for relationship. Come to God, beg him to soften your heart. Our hearts are in constant need of softening. You say, Pastor, that's really hard. It's Christmas. I want a, joy- a message. You know how joyful it is when I take my garden and I subject it to the most brutal torture of the man, right? I take the rotor tiller and chop all that dirt up and I chop those earthworms up accidentally. And that dirt goes through great turmoil and great tribulation. And... Manure gets mixed in with it all, and down it goes. And then we take and we subject a seed to harsh, cruel treatment. Biblical picture of Jesus, okay? How he died for us. We subject the seed to brutal treatment. We throw it in the ground, and we take our foot, put some dirt over it, and we push on it with our foot so that it stays there. When's the last time we let God do that with us? He says, break up your fallow background. First time for the Lord, you say, that's so cruel, well, that's so cruel. When's the last time you let God actually cultivate your heart? Until that little bit? When you see God using somebody, take note, God softened their heart. God's probably been tilling the ground a little bit. God wants to use you. God wants to till your ground. Let him till your ground. Let him till up your ground. Let him till up the ground in your home. You have a hardened child, we all are tempted to be hard Pray that God might soften their hearts, but show them in your own life that you're willing to humble yourself before God. Uh, Let them see. Humble yourself with them and say, you know what? Child, I struggle, and this is how God's giving me the victory. Be honest. Be transparent. um, But find victory. Our children, I mentioned this last week in the handout, our children ought to see that the grass that we plant grows.
1: They ought to see
0: that something we do, we are able to finish it at when we say we're going to do it. They ought to see that there's some follow-through accountability that will keep our heart accountable. And that we're willing to go through the pain. He says, pardon not your heart. Pardon not your heart. He says, don't just do the easy route. No, let God till it up. Would you let God take his pickaxe and do something in your heart this year? I really would you let him take the road or tiller and do some work? We save a pastor. It's Christmas. All I want to hear is Jesus die for us. He loves us. Receive Jesus. And he's in love this Christmas season. If you want to receive that, there's a church down the road that gives that. Okay? Uh, and, uh, my friend, we don't want to just give out peace and love. We want to give out the Prince of Peace. And as I recall, Jesus was wounded. He was bruised for our transgressions. He was beaten beyond recognition for our sins. As I recall, he did a lot for our souls. And, and why is it that we think we're going to just coast through life and live the Christian life without actually suffering for the Lord and being willing to let the Lord to love the ground in our hearts? And by the way, him tilling the ground is not suffering very much. It is truly just softening our heart. And by the way, parents, God gives us our kids to soften our hearts. <laughs> And all God's people say, I mean, God gives us our kids to humble us. There's nothing like when your child destroys an outfit right in front of people, you know. There's nothing like when you have to clean up or your child does something they shouldn't do and it's embarrassing. Or when your child does something that makes you late, even though you plan to be 20 minutes early. It's just part of life, okay? It's part of life, guys. And uh, our children are God's gift to help and humble us. The softened heart... We'll be ready for that day, and we'll find grace when we stand before God. But the hard heart will find much sorrow. Romans 14 says that Christ revived in verse 9, and it says also in verse in, in later on those verses, we must stand before the judgment seat. And then it says in verse 12, every knee shall bow, and everyone must give an account. Every knee, he says, will bow. You say, Pastor, it says the judgment seat of Christ. We understand the believers will go stand before God. He says we're going to kneel there, why don't we get used to kneeling now? Make it a whole lot easier to kneel there. You say, I got a new body, I'm going to have a brand new body there. It'll automatically kneel. Train this one to kneel, and the other one will do better, okay? Because it's a matter of the heart. Kneeling is a matter of the heart. Most of us have experienced in our workplace a review, an annual review. And the purpose of that review is for the boss to take time to clearly evaluate if you're a valuable asset to that company. And those reviews determine whether or not you get a raise or not. They directly affect your relationship with the management. And if our carnal bosses would take time to review the work of the good employees, you say, I'm a good employee, but they still reviewed me. The God of heaven is going to want to do a little review every once in a while. By the way, he does it. He says, I, the Lord, search the hearts. This Christmas season, could it not be that maybe the Lord is saying, Hey, who's going to come worship me? Who's going to worship the babe in the manger who was born to be the Savior of the world, who came, who gave his life, who died as our ransom, and who now is in heaven, standing before the throne of the Father. He is waiting. He is waiting. The Bible says he is interceding for us. Let us kneel. Let us bow down before the Lord our Maker. I beg you to break free from any bondage that might be holding us back from enjoying freedom in Christ. Remember the boxes of memories we had a few weeks ago? We had a box of memories here, and we talked about being chained to that memory. If we're chained to the memories, we're going to struggle running the race. My friend, if we're chained to something, and we're to that, we can't move forward. It's time to humble ourselves. It's time to humble ourselves before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God. It's hard to run our race if we stay stuck in this trap of unbelief. May God set us free from unbelief. May he help us be filled with love, joy, and faith in this Christmas season. Oh, come, let us worship, let us bow down, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. This Friday, as we have our Christmas Eve candlelight service, it'll be a beautiful time as we recount the story of Christmas. I saved it for that special time. And As we look at these passages on Christmas in a few days, then next week we're building as we look at another passage about Christ, who is our substitute. As we see this, may it cause us to incline our face before the Almighty God during the week that we might encounter Christ. That during the week we might pick up this book and in the new year, this book or the words to the wise. We might read some words that will help us and encourage us with our walk with God. I challenge you to make a commitment this year for the first few days, 21 days of the new year, to do it every day. Every day. For the first 21 days. If you do it for three weeks, it'll be a lot easier to do the rest of the year. Uh, you can establish a habit in the 21 days. Let us ask God to help us to worship, to kneel down, to bow before the Lord. Let's bow together for prayers we stand. Or, if you would like to kneel, you're welcome to kneel in your pew. You're welcome to kneel with And, however, whatever posture of prayer you would like to have right now, I encourage you to get along with God right now. Him is going to play. We're just going to meet with God. We're going to say, Lord, help us, Lord. Speak to us. If you would like to kneel, if you would like to stand, if you would, you can do it however you would like this morning. I'm inviting you to meet with God. You're welcome to come forward and pray and kneel here. Thank you each for watching by way of live stream and pray with each of you. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Your Holy Spirit. Speak to us now during this time of invitation. Help us to respond to you. And should there be any who have not yet put their faith in Jesus Christ, that they might turn, they might repent of their sins, and put their faith in Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. All these things in Christ's name. As the piano begins to play, let's do business with the Lord. Let's meet with Him. And I invite you to come forward and invite you to pray here. I invite you to pray in your seat. Would you kneel before the Lord our Maker this morning? Would you kneel before Him? Would you ask Him to speak to you? Would you ask Him to touch your heart? Lord, help me. Lord, work in our home. Lord, give us victory. Pray with your family. Pray yourself.